Welcome to Valley Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message, and we would love for you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1030. We're located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After listening to this message, take a moment to browse our website for current and upcoming events. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. John chapter 17, verse 1. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all, uh, all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is... Now this is eternal life, that you may know that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave, gave me out of this world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the word you gave me, and they have accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has lost except the one doomed to destruction, so the scripture would be fulfilled." I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have a full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of this world any more than I am of this world. My prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth." As you, sent, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you, may they also be, uh, be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one. I and them and you and I, uh, you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as I have loved you, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, through the world does not know you, I know you, for they know that you have sent me. I have made, made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that, they, that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. 
Now, you might want to go back and reread that this afternoon because I just jumble it all together when I'm trying to read off my notes here. And there's no way to cover all of that today. But I wanted to read the whole chapter so you could really start picking up on some of the key words as we study through the book of John. Did you, did you hear more than, than one key word in there? There were several key words that were repeated over and over. And this is a great chapter of the Bible, and there's certain places where you, you kind of need to stop and, and, and you know, read more than just a, a sentence or a phrase and read the whole chapter. And this is one of those places. And if we can just set with this one chapter over the summer, maybe this is your chapter. You know, different people attach on to different parts of the Scripture and say, I really want to study this. I really want to understand this as I go through this period or this time. Maybe this is that chapter. If you could set with this chapter over the summer, it's just an amazing chapter. We would really start to discover who Jesus is through this prayer. There are some things that he could teach us about himself here. And we would start to approach life differently if we studied like this. What Jesus would do while he was here on this earth, you know, he would, he would walk around and he would look for hurting people. He wouldn't just stay with his little group. He would actually go out and look for hurting people. And everywhere he looked at people, he saw them hurting. He saw the need of him coming into their lives. And this is something that we can learn to to start to look at people from the standpoint of they need Jesus instead of, man, they just really irritate me. And I'm not talking about your Christians, brothers and sisters that irritate each other. You know, know, we, we irritate each other every now and then, right? That's okay. We can get through those things. It's how we handle those things that are important. But it's the non-Christians that we look at that really irritate us and our thoughts should be, man, they need Christ. And that's a hard place to get to. It's not an easy place to go to all the time. But the more we start thinking like that, the next thing you know, we start to look more and more like Jesus, how he would do things. So it's important for us to to focus on others. You know, as Americans, we we focus on different needs at different parts of the year, right? You know, during Christmas time, it's, you know, those, you know, the needy. During, you know, Memorial Weekend, we start thinking about the veterans and, and, and things like that. You know, with Jesus in our lives, we should be thinking like that all year long. Different needs for different people. And we start to become the salt and the light of the world like we've talked about before. Now let's look at this this prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father. And the beauty of this prayer is that Jesus actually prayed it. This is a prayer that Jesus Christ himself prayed. You need to sit with that. It's amazing to me that we even have a copy of this prayer that Jesus prayed. Are you awed and amazed by that prayer? Really, are you awed? We have other prayers that he prayed, but none like this. None that just, it just is so in sync with the Lord. I mean, I mean, not that he's not in sync with the Lord, but I mean, it's just so, I mean, if you really get into there and start to read it, you start to go, wow, this is really valuable. We start to discover in the book of John as we begin to read it that there's some valuable things for our lives in here. So we won't rush through this. I know you're used to me just rushing right through the scripture. So I'm warning you that we're going to kind of slow down here. And, you know, this is one of the most interesting things here. It's not the fact that it's written down for us to study. It's the fact that Jesus prayed it all. When I first became a student of the scriptures... I discovered that Jesus Christ prayed, and it kind of really rocked my world a little bit. It kind of, I was like, I had to really sit with that. Jesus prayed. Well, how come he prayed? I mean, he is God. You know, I think if Jesus is the one I pray to, 
not the one who prays. And he did this many times. The scriptures tell us that he would slip away in the mornings and he would go out to pray. Pray for strength and other things. It's just amazing to me. Other times, you know, there would be other guys around him and other times he would just be out there alone. But, you know, he he wasn't just doing this to be a role model for us. Even though it's a a wonderful role model, that wasn't his only purpose for that. He was also doing it for deeper reasons. So, so it's a great example for us to, to follow. And we need to realize that it wasn't just for show. So if Jesus prayed, we should be praying. If Jesus served, we should serve. If Jesus tithed, we should tithe. All the things that Jesus did, we should follow an example of. Everything he did, everything. Even the willingness to die for what he believed in. A willingness to sacrifice. So right here, Jesus is praying. So, so what is prayer? It's communicating with God. Jesus, who himself is God, was communicating with the Father. He was talking to himself. Now, how many of you talk to yourself? Raise your hand if you talk to yourself. Okay, well, tell yourself to raise your hand. Now, how many of you, like, talk out loud to yourself? I mean, that's, that's really hardcore, now, the difference in talking to yourself and God talking to himself is that you're not part of the Trinity. Because, you know, as Christians, we believe and teach that God is three persons, yet one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus has been teaching us about the Holy Spirit, you know, in the previous chapters here. And, and now he begins to teach us about his relationship that he has with his Father. Now, some of us are, are going to really have a problem with this, with this chapter as we start talking about fatherhood and, and those things. Because we have a negative earthly view of what a father should be. Because we, we relate, as soon as that word father comes up, there's certain connotations, certain pictures that show up in your head when you think about that. You know, disciplinarian, rule maker, unfortunately, maybe even abuser, or absent, or not caring. Now, the opposite is also true. There's some wonderful pictures out there of fatherhood. You know, stuff like provider, a loving person, a caring person, always there, a comforter. And then there's some that's kind of a mixture of those. But all of this is from an earthly point of view. And it's good that Jesus is teaching us about the Father. So our view can change and not be, you know, just merged with our earthly view. Because if I took the view of my father, a sinful man, just like I'm a sinful man... Did he do everything right in raising me? Well, if you ask him, he'd probably say yes. I mean, I'm joking around. I'm not saying he really would. But I'm just saying that is how we think. So my view has got to, as I mature in the faith, as I grow in the faith, I have to take a part and go, okay, this part of my father, did that match what I've learned about the heavenly father? If so, then let me keep that view of, of, of that fatherhood. This side of my father, did, did that match with the heavenly father? Okay, no. Somehow, I've got to get to a point through prayer and through the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to release that and start thinking of fatherhood a little differently. That's why each generation, is, as you become fathers and mothers, you should think, how should I do it differently? Take the good parts from raising, get rid of the bad parts, and, you know, and change it a little bit. That's how we should be thinking about it. Sometimes it's hard to separate the two. You know, Jesus has, has done a little bit of teaching on this in John chapter 8. And, you know, he said, I and my Father are one. He said, I am. 
And all along, he has been one with the Father. It's not somehow along the way they just kind of merge together. He has always been a part of his Father. So I find it fascinating that Jesus talks to the Father so much. And in that, he is a role model for me. To see a a healthy relationship there. Communication breeds health. Good communication breeds good relationships. Now, what are some of the first key words that jumped out at at you? Well, first of all, there's the word glorify. The word glory and glorify just gets repeated over and over. In fact, he goes on in verse 1. He says, glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. And then verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in, in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And he just goes on and on. You might even count how many times he uses the same word there. It's one of the keys in studying the scripture as you open up the word yourself. If the word keeps repeating, you know, stop and think about that word. So let's look at the word glorify. Because we need to really understand what it means at this point. Because in America, we, we kind of have a different version of glory and, you know, the things that we glorify. I'm thinking of stuff like Tiger Woods. Did we glorify and lift him up on a pedestal? Absolutely. Did he fall off that pedestal? Yeah, that's unfortunate. That's what we think of glory, though. We have this idea of seeking glory. Now, seeking glory and being glorified are really two different things. And when you spot somebody seeking glory, you automatically think, man, they're kind of seeking glory, aren't they? I mean, you automatically spot it, like a spoiled movie star or an athlete. Coach, I'm not getting the ball enough. You've got to get the ball to me more. You got to think, you know, that's what what this world really is has taken this word and converted it to. Now, is this what Jesus is saying to us? Is Jesus complaining to the Father? God, they're not worshiping me. No, it's exactly the opposite of what he would do. Well, what what is he doing then? This is when we got to kind of go back to the the original language and look at the words to find out the meanings that were used back then. The word glory in the original language is doxazo. Now, if you've grown up in church, you might have heard the word doxology. How many of you heard that word doxology? Okay, this is where it comes from, doxazo. And trying to pronounce these words, it just kills you sometimes. But it means glory. But it also means some other things. So let's take a look at those other things. It it helps give us a broader understanding of the word. I'm going to give you three different meanings of it. One is to to honor or give respect where it is due. Memorial Day. That's a good, you know, that's a good example, perfect example for for this day for us to be talking about this. We give honor where honor is due. I mean, these these men and women are willing to go out there and sacrifice for us. Take politics out of it. I don't, you know, not everybody's in the military. These guys have volunteered to do that. We need to give them honor for that. So we give God glory by honoring him because he deserved it. He has earned it. So you could put the word honor in for the word glory. Honor your son that your son may honor you. Now secondly, it could mean to render it excellent. 
Kind of like an inspector or a judge would do at a cooking competition. You know, they would give it first prize. They render it excellent. Or, you know, this is the biggest fish. And I, I, I really wanted to put one of my fish pictures from Canada up on the screen, but I, I resisted that. You know, our, this guy wins first place. He's the fastest runner. Or this is an A student. Or this is grade A meat. This is the best. And it gives that object or person the glory that is due for it. So the first version of, of this word, the first kind of definition, if you want to call it that, is to, to give honor or respect. And the second is to render it excellent. And the third is to magnify. And I, I like this one. I find this is one of the most interesting of all the words because it's something that we can kind of all relate to. How many of you are wearing glasses today? Okay, now take them off and look at me. Okay, I'm up here. Hello? You know, I love it. I can get you guys to do anything. <laughs> Just get your wallet out. I'm joking. I'm totally joking. But back to the glasses and magnifying. This is what Jesus does for us. Our eyes are human eyes. In our humanness, we don't always see God with 20-20 vision. Because this world gets in the way of that and kind of, kind of, you know, messes up our vision. And when Jesus magnifies God to us, we start to see the Father face to face. And we're finally starting to get to a point where we're like, wow, he's so much bigger than I actually thought. This is glorification, which is magnification. It also means to clarify. Glasses not only magnify, but they clarify things. They make things into the right shape. If I don't have my contacts in, I can't see the words that are scrolling across the the bottom of the news channels. I have to put my contacts in because it's not clarified for me. He is saying, if you're looking at me, you're looking at God the Father. And many of you are starting to understand that. The more we view Jesus, the more we learn about Jesus, the more we're actually seeing who our Father is. Because He came to glorify the Father. So He goes, put these on, as in the glasses. And when we do that, we finally start to realize, well, Jesus, you're just like one of us. And He says, well, yes... But watch me for 24 hours. And then we start to understand he's not sinning. He is, he is one of us, but at the same time, he's not one of us. In the sense of he has the ability to not sin. He is sinless. And he's not only sinless, but he's also doing all the things that God himself, our Father, would do. So he's about the Father's business. Only it's not God the Father that they've grown to believe in. So it took these disciples three to four years to barely begin to get it. And he's saying, just keep putting on these glasses every morning. And he's calling us to do the same things. You know, we get up, put in our contacts or glasses for those that wear them. And what is the first thing we do after we've grabbed our first cup of Diet Coke? If we haven't put on our glasses, we put on our glasses. That's the first thing we always do. Now, some of us just need, you know, you know, we always say, well, I just need my, my glasses for, for our contacts just for reading. That's what we tell people. I don't really need them. I just print my notes out in 14-point font. I just magnify the letters on the computer. And this is how many of us view Christianity in our lives. 
we're so vain that we don't really believe that we need Jesus and the Holy Spirit to help us out in this life. And we're stumbling around into things. And it's like, how many of you think, okay, if you don't have your glasses, would you drive on the freeway? Yeah. Well, if we don't have Jesus, we don't have the Holy Spirit in in a sense of we're not asking him to help us along our, our path every day. Is it good to get out into this world? No, it can be dangerous. So we need to grab the glasses of Jesus, if you will. See the Father for who he is, our creator. We just need to start putting Jesus on. And our world starts to look completely different when we do this, doesn't it? When we start to see the world through Jesus' eyes. Not only God the Father looks different, but everything. In this case, he is saying, Lord, I magnify them to you. And Father, I want you to magnify me to them. I want you to do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. The whole magnifying idea. Now remember, he just told them in in what we studied last week that I am sending you the, the Holy Spirit. And he's basically saying, Father, don't let my glasses go with me to heaven. Allow those glasses, in a sense, to stay here to help them along in this life. And what are those glasses? What magnifies God to, to us? The Holy Spirit. Now, I know I'm kind of stretching that illustration a little bit. You know, you can't take it literally. But that's what he's trying to say. He's saying, let me leave these so they can understand, so they can see who I am. And therefore, they can see you. By the power of Jesus Christ. And then I start, I go, wow, I'm starting to get this a little bit. And I haven't always got it. There's times in my life and I'm just, you know, I've taught one thing and I teach it over and teach it over. And you finally, one day you finally go, wow, this is powerful stuff. You start to really inject it into your life and you don't allow it just to escape. And for some of you, this is the first time you're, you're starting, you know, this year is the first time you're, you're starting to really get it and understand it. And that is just such a wonderful thing. To understand that God came to to glorify the Father. And this is why the word glory is so important. Now the word magnify is not only about glasses. It either enlarges or it makes things smaller depending on how you use it. The word magnify is also about magnifications. It makes some things just bigger. Now am I really making an object bigger when I use a magnifying glass? No. I'm just better able to see it. It looks like I am. Have you ever seen a little child playing with a magnifying glass for the first time? Usually it's a little boy and it involves something with ants. See, the object is really not, you know, swelling or reducing as I move the magnifying glass. What is happening? It's changing my perception of what is being seen. Now take it down to, the, to a microscope. Same idea. The stuff is there, I just can't see it. It is so small that I need a microscope to magnify it for me to understand it. A good microscope will allow you to see these things. It will show me things that have always been there, I just couldn't see them. And this is what's exciting about becoming a Christian. It, you know, it's, it was as if he wasn't there. Yet when we start to realize he's been there all the time, I can all of a sudden see him because of the magnification. And we find out all, you know, know, we find out that everything is his and he is in all things. 
He is all things. He is the beginning of all things. He is the ender of all things. He is the alpha and the omega. And when we finally get our glasses on, or our microscope working, and all of a sudden we go, look at this. He's right here. He's been here all along, and I just realized it. Okay, let's take this big now. What about a telescope? What does a telescope do? It makes a star or a constellation or a planet look what? Bigger or closer. Now, I was going to put up a whole bunch of different pictures, again, of the sky and the stuff from the Hubble telescope, but you would be so distracted because they're just so beautiful of God's creation. But this is what Jesus came to do. He came to magnify, to glorify God the Father. And that is why he left. And before he does, he prays that the Holy Spirit would do the same for us so we could understand why he came. Because we didn't have three and a half years like the disciples did or or like Peter did hanging out with Jesus. But what we have is the Holy Spirit left for us to begin to understand who he is, to magnify Jesus to us, to show us who he really is. And that is what the word glorify means. So when we look down at verse 5, and he says, And now, Father, glorify me in, in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Now, in the original language, there is no qualifier in there. So what happens is that we don't quite understand it in English if we just put the, the exact translation words in that order. So we kind of put some qualifiers in there. But basically what he, what he says here is, Father, uh, Father, glorify you me. And you me would actually be one word. It wouldn't be separated. We put you and me. We, we, we try to qualify that. But really, you know, in fact, you go back to the King James and, and the way they say it is, is glorify thou me is what he's trying to say. And when we translate it into English, we make it so we can understand it better. But it's actually better, uh, better this way. Glorify you me means that Jesus is claiming to be God. Glorify you me, glorify I am. He's saying open this thing up so they can see you me in this world. He's basically saying, God, help them make sense of this. He keeps saying this in in different ways. I am in you. You are in me. And then he adds that I want to include them, as in you and I, I want to include them in us. Now, this doesn't mean that, that he's going to make us gods, like some false religions will teach and what some false religions believe. He is not saying that you are going to become gods. But it doesn't mean that he separates himself from us either. What this does is it causes us to understand that he is supposed to be the head of our lives. He is supposed to be the head of our churches. And a spirit to be our spirit. And this is why communion for us is so important. Because we celebrate, you know, when we celebrate communion, we are celebrating the fact that Jesus is and was and will always be glorified. And we start looking at the the cup and the bread, and it begins to be magnified. What he did for us as we take those elements, 
as we look at those elements, as we experience those elements, that He is becoming a part of us like He is a part of the Father. And when Jesus starts to say, Father, glorify me, it sounds like He's saying, you know, that that He thought He was God. Ironically, He did think He was God. Jesus taught that He was God. And I think He is God and always will be God. Because you can't separate out the Trinity. You can't take those parts and and completely separate them. But there are people who don't think that He is. And they try to quote Him and and show that He wasn't saying these things. And and, you know what that means is really that that, you know haven't read the words of Christ and all this. They, They try to confuse us. And when you go and actually read the words, He's pretty clear about what He's saying, that He is God. He constantly says, I am. Well, that's the word for God that the Jews would not use. Because if a person used that, they were blaspheming. They were, they were saying things that they shouldn't be saying. He said those things because he was. He kept saying, I am one with the Father. And you have to come to the conclusion. Either he is crazy, or he's lying, or he is who he really says that he is. So when we read Isaiah 42.8, the Lord makes it very clear that he does not share his glory with anybody. So if Jesus was not God, Jesus is blaspheming here by saying, reveal your glory through me. In fact, Isaiah 42.8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. I do not share my glory, God says. It's not because God has a huge ego. Ego has nothing to do with that. Ego is a, is a human invention word. God is not about ego. It's because it's just impossible for Him to share the glory. We have nothing in us that is even like that. And it would not be good for you to go and try to take that glory. And if you've been around churches long enough, every time somebody tries to take God's glory, they get off base. When the common man tried to to worship God, and then people came in between that and tried to receive that glory themselves because they get you know they get off track. It's sometimes that, that between weeks or months, and sometimes even years before they get completely off track. And when they get off track, it's hard for them to come back on the track because it's all about them and their glory. Because all of a sudden, the, the people are giving and, and that person's receiving what is supposed to be God's. God's glory. God's magnification. We're become like John the Baptist and what he said. He said, He must increase, as in talking about Jesus, He must increase. Therefore, I must what? Decrease. That's right. My personality, those things that I shine in, God's glory ought to overshine those things. God can still use those things for His glory, but it shouldn't be, well, I'm so great about this. I'm so great here. I can do this. I can do that. When He's sitting there going, you should be saying, God can do this and He's using me to do it and I can't believe He's using me to do that. That's the greatest thing, to be used by God for us to finally realize... I wouldn't use me. 
And God's saying, that's why I am using you. Because it's not about you. That's a healthy relationship. That is good. So the Lord comes and says, Father, show them who I am. And He doesn't beat it over our heads. He doesn't reject what Jesus is saying here in this beautiful prayer. He confirms who Jesus really is. And that is God Himself. This is why we believe in the Trinity. Three parts that are one. And even though in our humanness, we, we don't completely get everything about God. And it takes a lifetime. And just when we think we've, we've understood it, he, show, he reveals to us, He magnifies, He, he puts glasses on us to, to, to go, Oh, wow, I didn't know this about God. And we start to learn that process all over again. This week, I want you to ask God to glorify Jesus in your life through His Holy Spirit. Do you see the connection there? God glorifying Jesus through the Spirit in your life so you understand whom? Him, the Father. That's who you would understand. And it's an amazing thing when we start to understand our Father in Heaven. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that this week that You help me understand who You are. That you are as the, the creator of everything, the creator of the universe, the creator of the atom, the creator of every little small thing in this world to the, to the biggest things. I pray that I start to understand you in a whole new way. That through your Holy Spirit, I see who Jesus is and what you've done for my life. And therefore, see you as Father. I pray that you take those earthly things uh, uh, that we have about fathers, that, that you allow us to keep the good things, but you, you, you take out those bad things, those bad views in our life, and, and you, you push those aside, and you start to fill our life with understanding what a true godly father is, and that we start to view you in that way. Lord, I thank you for being a true father. I thank you for picking me up when I fall down. I thank you for comforting me when I need comfort. I thank you for cheering for me when you're sitting there going, Go! Go! I thank you for providing for me the Holy Spirit through your Son. I thank you for allowing yourself to come down to this world and experience what we experience. Your love is amazing. Oh, how He loves you and me. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. May He reveal Himself to you this week as we try to live in this world even though we're not of this world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.